Let's enjoy today's message by Sam Adiemi. Ultimate resurrection. So this is ultimate resurrection number two. John chapter 5, verses 28 and 29 from the Message Bible. John 5, 28, 29. Don't be so surprised. Indeed, the time is coming when all the dead in their graves will hear the voice of God's Son and they will rise again. Those who have done good will rise to experience eternal life and those who have continued in evil will rise to experience judgment. Let's begin today with a story told by Christ. See, whenever I think about life, death, and life beyond death, this passage of scripture always comes to my mind. Luke 16, verses 19 to 31. New Living Bible, New Living Translation. I usually like for the Bible to speak for itself. From verse 19, Jesus said, There was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen and who lived each day in luxury. At his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus who was covered with sores. As Lazarus lay there longing for scraps from the rich man's table, the dogs would come and lick his open sores. Finally, the poor man died and was carried by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried, and his soul went to the place of the dead. There, in torment, he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I am in anguish in these flames. But Abraham said to him, Son, remember that during your lifetime you had everything you wanted, and Lazarus had nothing. So now he is here being comforted, and you are in anguish. And besides, there is a great chasm separating us. No one can cross over to you from here, and no one can cross over to us from there. Then the rich man said, Please, Father Abraham, at least send him to my father's house. Send him to my father's home, for I have five brothers, and I want him to warn them so they don't end up in this place of torment. But Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have warned them. Your brothers can read what they wrote. The rich man replied, No, Father Abraham, but if someone is sent to them from the dead, then they will repent of their sins and turn to God. But Abraham said, If they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. You read the story quickly. You can easily come, you know, if I easily jump to this conclusion. Hmm? A misconception that people have carried for years and I also used to have. The rich man went to hell because he was rich. The poor man went to heaven because he was poor. If you, if you enjoy in this life, you will suffer in the next one. If you suffer in this life, you will enjoy in the next one. Blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Right? <laughs> I make a request of you, please, that you make one commitment, that you will never force the Bible to say what it does not say. Okay? That, that's one thing that I bear at the back of my mind whenever I read the Bible. Okay? Because it's so easy for you to, for you to carry your bias and read it <laughs> into the Bible. The Bible clearly does not state, Jesus did not say that it was because the rich man was rich that he went to hell, or that it was because the poor man was poor <laughs> that he went to heaven. Am I right? 
But you can deduce a possible reason for the rich man going to hell. He was, he was a wicked person. He, didn't, he lacked love. Am I right? Okay, it wasn't bad that he was rich, but if a poor man was laid at his gate every single day who had sores on his body, that dogs were licking, and he could not give anything, he would not give anything, you know, to the poor man, then there was a problem. Okay, for the poor man, well, there's no, there's no record that he was wicked. We don't know if he was kind, but it's likely that he was. When you read Matthew 25, right, Jesus also gave a scenario there of what will happen the day everybody stands before God in judgment. He says some people that day God will say, you know what, just depart from me, workers of evil. I was hungry, you did not feed me. I was thirsty, you did not give me water to drink. I was naked, you did not clothe me. I was sick, you did not visit me. And there'll be an argument. Ah, you, God, it's not possible. When did I see you hungry and not feed you? When did I see you thirsty and not give what I do? Even if it was my last one. Jesus said, God will say to them, for as much as you did not do it to any of the least of these people, you did not do it to me. So in this time here, we established one fact. Every human is an extension of God. Whatever you do to man, you have done it to God. Right? So when you look at what the rich man did, Lazarus, you would understand the possibility that when you come before God, that kind of an attitude won't get you into heaven. Right? Right. Good. So the fact that you are rich does not mean you should not be loving. Right? It is possible for you to be a rich person and for you to be loving and merciful and kind. Hallelujah. <laughs> And it is possible to be poor and to be very wicked. Have you seen anybody like that before? Don't call anybody's name, okay? Good. So in the first part of this series, uh, we explained why Christians should not be afraid of death. Because the interesting thing is that you discover in this passage is that in the same verse, both of them died. The rich man died. The poor man died. Everybody's going to die, right? But I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, you won't go before your time. Amen. Right. But we said beyond that, we Christians are actually fearless. And we gave several reasons why Christians are not afraid of death. The beautiful thing about it is this. Once you lose the fear of death, then you can really live. Then you can give life your best. Then you can obey God to the uttermost level, right? <laughs> exactly. What was Christ's point in this story? What, what really was he driving at? I'll take us back to the principle, the law of time perspective. Hmm? Hmm. That, that was crafted by Dr. Edward Banfield of Harvard University many years ago, probably decades ago. The law of time perspective. The longer the time you take into consideration while making your decisions and taking your action, the higher you rise. People who think and plan long time always rise higher than those that think and plan short time. So when you apply that principle, you know, to this issue of life and death, you find out those of us, therefore, that can think beyond the point of death, that believe in life after death, 
What it means, therefore, is that we should rise higher. What it means, therefore, is that we will make or we should be making better decisions. Amen? Yeah. So, both the rich and the poor died. Okay? Let's make our way through the story step by step. The rich man died. The poor man died. Okay? All of us are designed to live forever. So I'm saying to someone here today, right now, your life does not end at the point of death. It does not. <laughs> your life continues after that. It is your head suit, your physical body that drops. The soul and the spirit, the original essence, the real essence continues. Secondly, you notice something in the story. The two people recognize each other. The two recognize each other. So what does that mean? It means that your intellect will remain intact. Your memory will remain intact. And your emotions will remain intact. They recognized each other after this life. <laughs> you will still recognize people after this life. Your mind will still be working well. Okay? That's very important. If you see that the rich man remembered his brothers. Right? He remembered his brothers and that he had been a bad example to them. Five of them. Now, next. Their statuses changed immediately after they died. Now, this is important. Their statuses changed immediately after they died. That's what Abraham was explaining to the rich man. You know you had your time when you were down there, okay, physically. You enjoyed that now, sorry, what you have is suffering. Lazarus, on the other hand, you know how much he suffered. But right now he's in the place of enjoyment, which means this life that all of us are living is a preparation for the next one. And the next one is eternal. It's not time bound. The life that we're living now is a preparation. If you continue on this, your current trajectory, where will it take you? I find it funny that the rich man still wanted to send Lazarus on errand. Isn't that interesting? His brain was not coordinated, recognizing that things had changed. It's amazing. Why? His decisions were based on his value system. His decisions were based on his values. You see there, he's being proud was deliberate. It was a deliberate choice. He was someone that did not believe in the equality of humans. He believed that he had more value than Lazarus. So now, even after death, <laughs> he was saying, Father Abraham, send Lazarus as you cross over here to come and dip his finger in the water and put it on my tongue. <laughs> Abraham said, Oh gosh, you had better wake up. This, your mindset, was what led you here. You're assuming that material wealth was the definition of the worth of you and of Lazarus as humans. You, you saw Lazarus as being inferior. You saw him as being less than human. You treated him with indignity. His presence irritated you. You believe you were a superior person. You've carried that mindset into heaven. 
you have a problem. Right? So when you see places where Christ described what will happen at the judgment, how he would tell some people, I never knew you. Did he not mention that some people would say, we prophesied in your name, and he would say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, I did not know you. Right? What I'm saying is this. It's not enough to go to church. It's not enough to even claim to be a Christian. Right? You need to accept and align with the values of Jesus Christ. Just before Christ went to the cross, he was at the Passover with his disciples. You remember what he did? Wrapped a towel around himself, you know, took off his cloak, wrapped a towel around himself, took a bowl of water, and went from disciple to disciple, washing their dirty feet. When he got to Peter, Peter said, it's not possible. It is not possible. They, it's assaulting my mind. Why should you be the one to wash my feet? But Christ said, you know what? If I don't wash those dirty feet, you have no partner, Lord. You are completely out of God's agenda. So Peter said, I did not know it was as bad as that. Okay, so can you please wash my head and wash my body too? Jesus said, no. I'm not interested in head and body. That dirty feet, that's the one I want to wash. <laughs> then Christ said, if I, you call me master, right? I did that to you. Make sure you do that to one another. The way it works in God's system is completely different. You can't serve God on your own terms. This life is a preparation for the next one. And I'm saying whatever value system it is that you are holding at the point at which you exit, you'll carry it into the next life. And that's what's going to determine where you go and what happens to you. They recognized each other. Their status is changed. I find something also interesting, and that's the fact that the rich man was now concerned about his brothers. Isn't that amazing? Once you cross from this life into the next, the opportunity to change is gone. Changing is possible here. <laughs> Accepting God <laughs> is possible here. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. It is appointed unto man to die once. After that, it is the judgment. So this guy now realized there was nothing he could do about himself, his own case. But he remembered his brothers still had the opportunity because they had not died yet. So when Abraham said, sorry, there's a huge space, huge gap between us and Lazarus can't come to you. The man said, Okay, can you please send Lazarus to my brothers to go and warn them? I don't want them to come here. I keep wondering how many people are on the other side who keep screaming, who are anxious, who are fidgeting, who are concerned about those of us that are down here. Is somebody somewhere screaming about you? He said, I don't want them to come to this place of torment. Please send Lazarus to go and warn them. Right? So all of a sudden, influencing people positively became a priority for him. It was not before. He, he, he was busy, acquiring was busy. They said he was living luxury, 
feeding the desires of his human body and his emotions, getting as much pleasure as he could get. That was his priority, becoming powerful, more and more powerful in this world. That was his priority. And then all of a sudden, the physical life ended and all those things did not matter anymore. But he could not forget his brothers. You won't lose your memory. And influencing his brothers positively now became his priority. Now, so I take you back to the law of time perspective. That if as a Christian, right, you leverage this opportunity we have from scriptures to know how things are going to work in the future, how it works in this physical world, how it works in the spiritual world, you leverage that. You see beyond the point of death. I'm saying the quality of your decisions will be better. Because if this man had been able to see beyond the point of death while he was here, his priorities would have been different. And obviously influencing his brothers positively would have been priority for him. Because at the point of death, after he died, he would look back and be satisfied if his brothers were godly. I'm asking you right now as a person, on your to-do list, is there anything there about sharing the good news with anyone that Jesus Christ already died and paid for their sins? Because that's the one thing that will automatically guarantee people that they will make heaven. Is there any priority about influencing people positively? Or is it this just chasing what to eat and what to drink? You know, is it chasing material things? It is chasing power in this ephemeral world. What's your priority? Right? Has sharing the good news been on your priority list lately? And I close by challenging our men. Because today is Father's Day. It's our day, right? And interestingly, the two people used for illustration, not illustration, Jesus said a certain man, right? So who knows who it was? Obviously, he didn't mention anybody's name, not to break anybody's heart, okay? <laughs> but the, the, the two people in the story are men. So can we talk to ourselves as men? Right? So I just want to say this. It's important to make money. Money is important. Nobody should tell us otherwise. Make clean money, okay? Make clean money and develop the capacity to be a loving person with the help of the Holy Spirit, with the nature of God inside you and with the help of the Holy Spirit. Honestly, that is one of the biggest measures of a man that I have found in the Bible. 1 Corinthians 13.11 is a verse of scripture that challenges me. 1 Corinthians 13.11, okay? When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. So the ability to do away with a particular level of thinking and understanding and speech and action that is the measure of a man. <laughs> Christ was subjected to training, okay, by his earthly parents. And Luke chapter 2 verse 52 says that he grew in wisdom and stature and was in favor with God and with man. Wisdom, mental development, stature, physical development, favor with God, spiritual development, favor with man, social development. 
And then at the river Jordan, God would say, this is my beloved son. In the Greek, it's the word huios, my mature son, in whom I am well pleased. That should be the goal of every man. You know the interesting thing? First Corinthians 13, 11. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, understood as a child, thought as a child. When I became a man, I put away childish things. It's in First Corinthians 13, if I should emphasize it. That's the chapter on love. <laughs> That's the chapter on love. Put away anointing for annoyance. <laughs> this anointing for unbridled anger. This anointing for malice. I remember many years ago I met someone who had just married some, some few months. And he talked about how he was so angry with his wife, he refused to eat. He came back from work, she had cooked food. He, he wanted to punish her. He was just so angry. He refused to eat the food. The following morning she cooked. He refused to eat her food. He said he had made up his mind that he was not going to eat her food until she apologized. The second day he came back from work, hmm, he, he was going to refuse. He was not going to eat. The only problem now was there was no food. <laughs> Madame also <laughs> had wisened up. She did not cook nada, nothing. The third day, no food. In the morning, no food. In the evening, fourth day, no. Ah, seven days. His anger was multiplying until he had to talk sense to himself. Where are you going with that? It's not an achievement. I've seen people almost break their homes over money, money issues. Come on. So the real measure of a man, capacity to love, every other thing will follow. Every other thing will follow. So this is just an appeal to my fellow men. My fellow man, eh? right now, if you are holding malice, holding grudges, I want to plead with you in God's name, forgive. Forgive, madam, right? Forgive your parents. Forgive your boss. Amen. Because at the end of the day, when you look at what Christ said, it is our capacity to love that will determine whether we make heaven or hell. Will you bow your head with me and let's pray for a moment. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So think way, way beyond this life into the next. Are you ready? We have no control over when. We just pray it will not be premature. And in Jesus' name, it won't be. But then, how far can you see? Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, just go ahead and pray. Pray, Father, in Jesus' name, give me wisdom to make the best choices right now. Give me capacity to love right now. Fill me with the Holy Spirit and help me, help me to live by the values of Jesus Christ. Let the power of your Spirit walk through me. Help me beyond the limitations of human weaknesses and help me to think the way you think. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Help me to prioritize influencing other people with the good news. In Jesus' name, let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, thank you, thank you for your word. <laughs> thank you, because in the story that Christ shared, you said sending someone from the dead to come preach to us will not do the job, because you know human nature. You said the preaching, what is already written, is enough to do the job. So today we thank you for giving us your word. We thank you 
And right now, Heavenly Father, I pray for everyone that is a part of this service. Open our eyes. Give us wisdom. In those places where we need to make some solid choices, Father, right now we receive the power in the name of Jesus. I declare every mindset, every habit that is limiting us is broken in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you for giving us the capacity, the wisdom, and the humility to make changes where we need to make changes. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Heavenly Father. Only you know the blessings that are being held back because of our choices. I specifically pray for our men today because in First Peter chapter 3, verse 7, your word says that we should honor our wives as being the more fragile ones and that we should honor them so that our prayers will not be hindered. Heavenly Father, today in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray whatever blessings have been hindered, we receive a release. We receive a release. We receive a release in the name of Jesus. As we receive healing for our relationships, we receive restoration of every blessing that belongs in the mighty name, that belongs to us in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Lord, I pray for that honest person. Yes, Lord, I pray for that honest person because before this passage of scripture, Luke 16 and Luke 15, it was the story of the prodigal son that you were sharing. But it wasn't about the son. It was about you and your large heart, your loving heart. So for every honest person in this service who says, my relationship is not okay with God. My relationship with God is not okay with God. If I die today, I am not absolutely certain I will make heaven. I want to accept God's forgiveness today. We thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for us on the cross. And he's paid. He's taken all the punishment for sin already. So for everyone that asks you today, thank you because there's forgiveness. Can I ask that honest person? You may be at any of our physical locations. You may be, may be on TV. It may be on the internet. You say, Pastor, I cannot be lying. My relationship with God is not okay. I'm a sinner. Okay, so Jesus Christ died for your sins and died for mine. And God just wants us to ask for forgiveness. Can you put your hand on your heart and say this prayer after me? Dear God, I believe that Jesus paid for my sins. I ask you to forgive me, to accept me as your child. Thank you for hearing my prayer in Jesus' name. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for everyone that said this prayer. Thank you because their sins are forgiven. Oh, thank you, because Jesus said there's a party in heaven when this happens. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. We love you, Heavenly Father. Thank you for this miracle of change. And we ask you, Father, teach them to know you personally. Teach them to love you, to love other people the rest of their lives. In Jesus' name. Amen.